Have you ever wanted to ride your bike more for transportation? Many of the benefits we get from cycling as a sport, such as exercise, those good endorphins, being social, and getting outdoors, those are all things we can also get from cycling as a means of getting to where we need to go. Plus, you have the added benefit of helping the environment. In this episode, I interview Lisa Corovo, better known as Spokes Mama. She's a blogger, cycling advocate, and bicycle educator. More importantly, she's somebody who knows pretty much everything you would ever need to know about bicycling around town. We'll dive in right after this intro. You're listening to the Femme Cyclist Podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Bonkowski. Like most of you, I'm a bicycle-obsessed rider and sometimes racer. Each week, I'll bring you interviews from inspiring women and offer tips and tricks to help you thrive on the bike. At Femme Cyclist, we celebrate all forms of riding and all forms of women. So whether you're a road racer, bike commuter, or hardcore shredder, you'll find your tribe here. So first off, Lisa, thank you for being here today. I know you're a busy mom and everything, so I appreciate your time. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get started bicycling for transportation? And then how did you actually end up teaching that to others? Uh, So I, let's see, I'll go back to when I was still in university. So I was in my early 20s. And I had a part-time job, and I discovered that it would be, or I just figured that it would be faster to ride my bike to work than to take the bus. Um, and I, my aunt gave me her old bike. It was like this three-speed, early 80s rally mixed in. It was great. I wish I kept it. Well, it was, it was great in some ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started riding that and realized even on this old bike with not very many gears, I could get home a lot faster than taking a bus. So I started riding more, and then I got my own bike that was better because at the time I didn't realize that you could just replace parts, I guess, or I just wanted to start new, I don't know. Because the um, bike had chrome rims, and you know, Vancouver it rains a lot, so I remember breaking with these old crusty brake pads and the chrome rims and just sliding into the middle of an intersection on a red light. Uh, so I just sort of replaced the whole bike. And I started riding more because I had more gears. It was like, you know, 21 speed. Uh, and I moved again and I tried riding up to university, which was, I didn't do that very often because the university is on a mountain. Yeah. And where I lived was not on the mountain. So it was a bit of a track and it took longer than the bus. But yeah. I did still ride uh, to get to work and to get groceries. And, uh, once I graduated, I started working. I rode a little bit, but I was quite close to the SkyTrain Yeah, it's very kind of on and off, but 
uh, yeah, most of the time I just get around. And uh, yeah, started cargo biking when my second child was uh, nine months old. My oldest was uh, almost four. With your second, did you bike with them as a baby or did you wait? We had her in the trailer at seven months. Basically, because we have helmet laws here, as soon as we could fit a helmet on her. <laughs> yeah. With the toque underneath <laughs> to keep it on. From seven months, she was on it. In a bike trailer and then we I got really tired of bike trailer and front child seats and that dance when you have to stop and block your bike and do right. all of these actions in a very specific order so we got a cargo bike in two months yeah <laughs> and I started teaching for a local nonprofit hub cycle that was about three and a half years ago so and I mostly teach kids at schools but I also do teach adults through the schools what are, are you actually teaching kids how to ride or are you teaching them how to bike to school or what is that the programs that we have, there's a couple. One of them is aimed at teaching kids how to ride. So it's for like yeah, like eight to ten year olds generally. Sometimes a bit younger, sometimes a bit older. It's two days. We go and do like an in class day where we talk about biking and a little bit about the rules, parts of the bike, so they know the names, you know, pedals and handlebars and all that. And the second day is on the school grounds. We do you know games and drills and we set up little intersections or you know multi-use paths and that kind of. So some of the kids will be learning to ride bicycles. Some of them will be learning bike safety on the schoolyard. Awesome. It depends on their abilities. Yeah. Yeah. And we bring a big fleet of bikes for the kids who don't have them. That's awesome. But yeah, that one program is just two days is more focused on learning to ride a bike safely. But then we have another one, which is generally for like kids 10 and up, sometimes even high school. Um, And it's not so different from the content of the adult programs that we do. Um, so it's five days. We do uh, an in-class day talking about cycling, a little bit about the rules. Then we do basic bike mechanics, um, teaching them how to, you know, pump up their tires and oil their chain and check their brakes. Uh, then we do skills on the schoolyard, like, uh, you know, signaling your turns and emergency braking, that kind of thing, using your gears. Uh, then we do uh, a trivia game with rules of road. And then the last day we take them out on a route that's planned in their neighborhood to practice, you know, four-way stops and traffic circles and, you know, staying out of the door zone and all that stuff. And what about the program you do it for adults? What's that program? There's a variety. I mean, we have um, programs aimed at families. Uh, most of the adult ones are just one day uh, or like an action. We also have programs that are aimed at newcomers to Canada. So we'll talk a bit more about the basic rules and how that might be different from where they've come from. With some of the groups, we have more refugee women. So the majority of them will be learning to ride a bicycle for the first time. Mm. A little bit like the program that the Netherlands does. It's not a long term event though, it's just a couple of days. Those are some of my favorites to teach with the adults because it's, uh, it's such a great way to kind of get into the culture here because you meet people more often and you see things. And then it's so much more affordable to get around that bike yeah. for people who are, you know, they don't have a lot of money. Right, absolutely. I think that um, I'm curious because I think that like a lot of the women listening to this are different than that and that they are already cyclists, you know, but they're probably doing it more for sport than for transportation. So I'm just curious to get your uh, input on how do we encourage people who already have this love for bicycles to decide to use it, not just for sport, but for transportation also? I mean, I think... That answer's pretty complicated depending on where they live and what's there. Like for a lot of people, where they live isn't very bike friendly. Right. There's not any 
bike lanes. Um, you know, maybe there's a lot of highways or places where you're not allowed to cycle or, or just it's a high-speed traffic and, you know, it doesn't feel safe. Um, so they might maybe load their bikes onto a car and then go drive somewhere that they can ride along the ocean or on a mountain trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a little harder when there is, you know, you can't go from your house to, you know, a cafe or whatever. I mean, I guess just if you can work for, for that kind of situation, if you can work the biking in as part of the trip, like do a multimodal trip, that might be a way to get started. Like if you can put your bike on a bus or put your bike in a car and then park or get off the bus and ride for part of the distance. I do that to commute sometimes. Uh, like when I'm teaching at a school that's sort of out in the suburbs, you know, like 25 kilometers away, I generally don't bike all the way there. I'll bike to the train station and then put my bike on the train with me and then bike from the train to the school. So doing things like that might be an option. Right. Um, kind of combo trips or multimodal trips. Uh, for the people who do have a reasonable place to bike, <laughs> Maybe there's bike lanes or at least quiet streets. Starting small is great. Like maybe you don't even have to start biking to work, but you could ride to the park or to the cafe or to your friend's house or, you know, to a store to pick up something small. Start with errands or social things. And I mean, I, I find that like talking to people that live around there and bike is, is really invaluable in terms of route planning um, and tips on, I don't know, where you're going to park your bike and that kind of thing. So finding other people who are doing it in, you know, Facebook groups or on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Coworkers who maybe already ride. Yeah, absolutely. I think having a social, you know, support system is always one of the most important things. Other than asking other people for route planning, do you have any other tips on how to find good routes? I use Google Maps, but big caveat that, like, I know my city pretty well. So when Google tells me to go this way, I know, yeah, yeah, that's, I can ignore that bit because Google doesn't seem to know that you can bike through that part, but you can't drive through it. <laughs> right. So Google, if you're if you're using it, it doesn't always have all of the just cycling infrastructure in it. So if there's, a, like, a, a section through a park where there's a bike path, Google might not have that so it'll tell you to drive around the block and avoid that section because you couldn't do it with a car that's what i mean however if you use street view you can kind of go often and look around at what that spot is on your route i do that a lot if i'm riding somewhere really unfamiliar i'll use street view to check out okay well what does that intersection look like that google's telling me mm. to make a left turn at yeah or is it a six lane highway right i want to maybe use the crosswalk instead of doing a, a vehicular left turn or that kind of thing Street View can help you kind of figure out if Google routes are actually very good or not. Right. Um, or, I mean, a lot of cities will have a bike map. Like here in Vancouver, we have one that's produced by the Transit um, Authority, and it's like the whole metro area. You can get a PDF of it, keep it on your phone, zoom in for different parts. Um, or there's each of the cities around here, or oh, most of the cities involved, um, have uh, another bike map. You can get like a hard copy that folds up really nice and small. Uh, there's some that are like waterproof too. So those are handy to know uh, which streets are, you know, have a bike lane on them or uh, what kind of, whether there's shadows or whether there's a steep hill, that kind of thing is marked on those maps. I was just going to ask, so for a lot of us who don't live in cities that are as bike friendly as Vancouver, Um, I know you do a lot of bike advocacy as well. Do you have any suggestions for women who live in these cities that don't have good bike infrastructure? How can they get involved to try and start creating a bike culture in their town or city? Uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to do that. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I've, uh, like, 
I'm on the city's transportation advisory committee, which has been around for, I don't know, like six or eight years. Yeah, I didn't help start this stuff, really. I just kind of walked in on it. So I think if you have kids, getting started with the school can be one way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to plan a uh, map of safe route to school, talking with the parents, uh, the the parent advisory council. It's, It's having a group like that kind of to connect with can sometimes also get you you can get media attention potentially and talk about some of the things that you need like i don't know if you're fighting for traffic calming or bank buttons or whatever it is that you need to be able to ride a little more safely yeah i mean planning group rides uh, can be a way to get more people together and more people riding right you can also if you have a petition or something that you want to write to the city and you can get people together to That's an awesome idea. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Parents go to cafes and stuff like that, so we get coffee donated. But the parent advisory council, from their fundraising, they just hand me money to budget for this. So I, yeah, I didn't have to. I didn't have to budget. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, starting something like that, like a fun event, can be a great way to get people excited about biking. Yeah, I love uh, that. I think yeah. for you know a lot of some women listening may not have kids either, but I think that you know even like a most places have a bike to work week or a bike to work day. Yeah. Doing something similar to that at like maybe your workplace would be a great option, also. Yeah, I mean, there's also if you're not connected to a workplace that does that, or you know, you don't have kids, there's a lot of social media based challenges. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, 30 days of biking. In the yeah. Month, which is April, I think. Yeah. So you can go to the website, you sign a pledge that you're gonna ride every day. No one is checking on you, but you know it's a personal challenge. And then you post about it on social media, and you can kind of talk to other people who are doing it and follow the hashtag. I find those challenges are kind of motivating. You need someone else in your city that's also doing it, and you can encourage your friends to do it. I love that. We've done that 30 days of biking um, before also. And because it is in April, it always seems like it's like very rainy and wet and maybe a month you wouldn't normally yeah. get out. So I think yeah. that's always helpful to have something like that helping to encourage you. Yeah, I've, uh, I've tried a few years and I've injured myself in April. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I have, I've actually missed it a few times, but uh, this year, this year. There you uh, go. Although I've actually, I decided first week of the year that uh, I'm going to do a challenge to ride every day of the year. Okay. So uh, I think other people have used this hashtag, but I'm just bike365. Awesome. Although it's a leap year, so 
366. Bike shop girl reminded me that it should be bike 366. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you might need that at some point. Um, so for women who I hear a lot of people say, you know, my goal for the year is to bike to work two days a week or three days a week or whatever the make case may be. What tips do you have specifically for biking to work? I would say if you haven't done it at all before, find the route, try to get some advice for what's the best route, not necessarily the most direct. Uh, I would go for the route that's going to be comfortable and enjoyable. So that might be a kilometer longer um, than the most direct route. I would test out your route on the weekend just to see how long it takes. I mean, the traffic will probably be different, but at least just have a sense of, you know, what the hills are going to feel like and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, take your time so you don't have to necessarily change your clothes or uh, get as sweaty. Uh, if, you, if you ride a little slower, you don't need as much gear. Right. <laughs> That's one thing. Um, if you're going to do, like, really hard, heavy riding, you're going to get all sweaty. You need to change your clothes or, or have more, like, more clothing that will kind of deal with the sweat. So the easier you take it, the less stuff you need to buy at first. <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, you can get started with whatever bike you have, whatever gear you have. Um, that's kind yeah. of the beautiful thing about it, right? But once somebody is wanting to invest a little bit more, what bikes do you recommend or what special gear um, do you think is really invaluable to have? As for bikes, I'm a big fan of upright riding. I, I don't drive bikes where you have the drop bar right. forward kind of racing style. And I just never feel that comfortable on them. Yeah. I find if you're riding in traffic for transportation, it's a bit easier to just look around you and, and to see if you're sitting straight up. So yeah. uh, city bikes or comfort bikes or hybrid bikes, that kind of thing, are generally set up so that you're sitting pretty straight and it's quite easy to shoulder check and signal and see what you're doing and what's around you. I think if, unless you live in a really flat place, I think having a good range of gears is, is good. With, there's so many options out there now that I can't really say one that's great. Because <laughs> uh, there's some, like really nice systems that are just like one by 10, one by 11, so you only have one derailleur that you need to worry about. But then, you know, your, your basic kind of mountain bike style gearing where it's like three in the front, three chain rings in the front, and then seven or eight in the back, that's pretty good. You'll have a big range there. Or if you live somewhere that's rainy, like here, the internal gear hubs are actually great in terms of maintenance. So that'll be like seven or eight gears just all inside of a hub and back. But you, yeah, I mean, the thing to, to worry about is having enough range so that you have a really little gear that can get you up the hill. Uh, for, for the gear, I guess, I mean, what's the weather like if you were going to go for a walk in bad weather? <laughs> so if you already have a raincoat for going out for a walk, you can wear that. Or a winter jacket and snow pants. Yeah, whatever you have at this time of year, you, you know, that's something you're going to need to ride. Um, but it doesn't have to be that different from something that you would use to, you know, to ski or snowboard or go for a walk or hike or whatever else you might do. What about like carrying gear to go to work? Are you a fan of panniers or do you think people should just use a backpack or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if you want to just start and see if you like it, go for a backpack because um, you probably already have one. Right. Um, I don't usually use backpacks when I'm riding because I don't like having 
something on me like that, I don't like, it makes my back more sweaty. Um, so I tend to carry things on my bikes. And yeah, like the bikes that arrive the most often are cargo bikes, so they automatically, you know, like they're designed to carry stuff. So they have bags on them all the time or a big box in front or a big basket. So if you're not carrying too much stuff, a front basket is actually quite easy. Like a wrap or a basket on the front, you can just stick your backpack or your purse on that, and then you don't have to have too much specific stuff. Panniers on the back are, are good if you're if you if you're committed and you know you're gonna ride because they can be expensive. Yeah, to buy the rear rack and then a pair of bags. I don't know how much that would cost. At least hundred, probably two. So <laughs> Canadian. So I don't know what it is in the U.S. Probably half that much. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's so many options. It, it really depends on, on how much you ride and how much you carry it and what the weather's like too. Like for us, my husband, for example, he rides to work every day and he has these uh, panniers. They're like a heavy waterproof fabric, um, or leaf back rollers and um, they're really easy to pop on and out the back racks because he, you know, does that when he gets to work. But they're, yeah, they're not cheap. When I'm riding to, say, like, meet a friend downtown or something and I'm taking a bike share bike, uh, those bike share bikes have a basket in front, so I'll just bring a bag that will fit in the basket and that's, that's it. Sort of think about what you need to carry and uh, if you need to protect it from rain or cold or whatever. With what you need. Probably there's something that you already have that will work for a while. Totally agree on that. What about e-bikes? What are your thoughts on e-bikes for transportation? Well, I just got my first e-bike in August, um, so I have never like I tried them, um, but I never owned one. Um, it's it, it really like I was still riding every day before I got it, and I was still carrying my kids around and. Costco grocery hauls and furniture from Craigslist. <laughs> you know, I, I love hauling crazy stuff on my bike. But with the e-bike, it's just a lot more comfortable. <laughs> I, I don't get sweaty. I don't get tired after riding long distances. I'm more likely to just say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that trip across town instead of putting it off for another day. If it's raining or the weather is awful, I can just kind of turn up the assist to get home a bit faster. So I really love having an e-bike. It's, it hasn't changed things hugely for me, but I was already kind of a bike nut beforehand. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a lot of people, an e-bike would make the difference between actually biking to work and not because it makes it so much easier. Like I can get places about 30 to 40% faster. So it's always faster than transit and often faster than driving, even if you factor in, you know, parking and everything. And it just, everything feels like it's flat. You just don't have to put in that much effort. Um, but you can, if you want to exercise a bit more, like uh, you can just turn the assist down a little bit. Like most bikes have different levels of assist. So the bike that I have, it is a pedal assist. So it doesn't, the motor doesn't work unless I pedal. I don't have a throttle that will just go um, with my feet, not not turning. Some bikes do have a throttle like that. Um, there, there's so many different systems out there, so they, they vary quite a bit. But yeah, it's it's still I still get exercise, and I'm you know, still doing all the things that you're doing when you're biking, getting outside, bumping into people I know all the time. And, um, but it's just yeah, I don't have to worry about getting sweaty, so I don't I don't worry about what I'm wearing as much. Like if if it's this time of year where it's kind of cold. Like here in Vancouver right now, it's around 5 to 10 degrees Celsius most days. So it's kind of chilly. You want to wear a winter coat. But then once you get exercising, you get sweaty. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to dress properly for right. a bike ride. Um, but with the e-bike, I don't have to worry about getting sweaty. 
everybody has to do you use um, studded tires or anything like that in the winter when you're riding around? Yeah, we yeah we do. We just got a couple extra pairs this year, so we have three sets now. We generally don't need them that much, but Vancouver uh, in the winters, like it'll be like it is right now, well above freezing, so everything is just wet if there's any precipitation. But then suddenly the temperature will go below zero. And everything freezes, so the roads are wet, and then they freeze. So there's this like thin layer of ice that you can barely see all over everything. And then you just get this like the temperature kind of goes up and down above and below zero. So you get this freeze melt, freeze melt. So it's just constantly really slick and slippery um, in the early mornings and, and like later at night. So I found that the tires are really good for that. But yeah, we uh, we just got them put on the bike this week. It's a cargo bike, so it's a huge hassle to <laughs> put them on. I just pay my mechanic, and it's done. As far as cargo bikes go, do you think that is the way to go for everybody? I mean, what in what circumstances would you recommend a cargo bike versus just a regular bike? If you are regularly carrying children, I would recommend a cargo bike if you can possibly afford it. Uh, well. Actually, no, let's not say that. If you don't like using a trailer, because trailers are great and they're simple. You attach them, take them off. You don't always have to have it on your bike. They're more affordable than buying a cargo bike. So if you if you like trailers, that's great. If you don't really like trailers, I found them annoying and kind of that pullback when you're riding and locking them up was another issue because people steal them all the time here. But yeah, if you want just everybody to be on the bike, I find it's better to use a cargo bike because they're designed to carry that weight of a person. Most regular bikes are not really, you know, the racks that you can find out there on the market, they're not really strong enough to carry someone. If you can get an actual Dutch bike, most bikes are, are a lot stronger and they're more designed to carry a person on the back. The majority of North American bikes are kind of designed for just one person on the saddle. So if you're, yeah, if you're going to do a long commute or just a lot of riding, I would go for a cargo bike if at all possible. But if you don't have kids and you have maybe a business or a hobby that, you know, or a large pet, maybe, like a dog you want to take to the beach or something. That's another good reason to get a cargo bike. You can save a lot more money over driving if you have a cargo bike, and they can carry a lot of stuff. Like, I've carried a fully assembled kitchen table, lots of chairs, huge bags of, you know, children's clothing donations, multiple pairs of wooden silks, <laughs> lots of things on cargo bikes, um, besides children. Uh, 350 pounds of bricks. That was my husband, actually. I did ride bike. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, you probably carry another adult, too, which I don't do very often, but it's like maybe once or twice a year. And it's, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, like more and more businesses around here are starting to use cargo bikes. There's a, a bakery that makes their, they do like a kind of a, a drop-off system at cafes. So that everybody who has sort of like a bread subscription will go to the cafe and pick up their loaf that day. So they just drop off, you know, 20 loaves in each of the cafe. There's uh, there's a few trades people who use cargo bikes. Um, there's a few realtors in the city who do it. What do you think? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where you are in Vancouver, what's motivating people to ride their bikes and that's, you know, you've mentioned already, it's often faster than taking the bus. It's cheaper than other forms of transportation. But for people who live in less like congested cities, for instance, like I'm in Salt Lake City and there's, you don't see a lot of bicycle transportation here. 
what do you think can help motivate people to get on their bike and take a trip by bicycle rather than getting in the car? I mean, like, what do you think are the reasons? Like, for me, like, often I'll just go ahead and get on my bicycle because I think about the impact, the environmental impact of my driving two miles versus my biking two miles, right? But I'm just wondering if there's ever any other reasons you hear from people about why they have chosen to use a bicycle rather than maybe other forms of transportation. I think the two things that I didn't really realize until fairly recently are big motivators for me is the social side of it and then the, the interplay between like the physical and the psychological benefits. Like, so the social, what I mean by that is when I'm biking, I'll often chat with someone when we're waiting in a light together. Mm-hmm. And there's like around. Or sometimes I'll see somebody that I know walking on the sidewalk and it's very easy to pull over and stop and talk to them. Um, that happens all the time that I bump into somebody I know on their bike or on foot. And, you know, it's very, very simple just to like stop and chat like, because you're going slower and you're more likely to speed up and it's just so much easier to do that with a bike than with a car. So the social thing is, is great. Um, even just the chats with like other people that I don't know, um, you know, asking about the bike when I'm walking up to the bike racks or something is a, you know, and there's, there's research to back this up that, that it has a positive benefit on people. Just those little simple kind of interchanges with strangers. But the, the more physical kind of psychological thing is like just the the endorphins you get from exercising really help for me personally and a lot of people I know with our mental health. Like, I just feel happier if I bike every day. Right. Um, if I if I take off one day or something on the weekend, you know, that's, I'm not going to notice that. But if I'm, like, if I have, uh, not, not a cold because I'm going to feel sick anyway, but, like, I don't know, if I have, if I'm really busy and doing stuff at home or can't, I don't know, can't bike for some reason for a few days, I just feel, I don't know, I feel sluggish and I feel less happy. And, yeah. Um, it's it definitely, you know, part of it is just being outside, getting sunlight, uh, getting exercise. There's there's something to it that it, it definitely makes me feel happier to do it every day. Yeah. So those, those like, daily challenges where, you know, you ride for the entire month of April, like 30 days of biking. Um, if you try that and then kind of keep track of your, your mood and how you feel and, whatever other kind of, you know, physical or emotional kind of signs, uh, you might notice the difference uh, from riding every day for, for a period of time. So, yeah, trying it out and keeping track of that stuff, of how it affects you, can be a good motivator to, to continue. Absolutely. And I think that's probably really going to resonate with all the folks listening because I think so many of us already recognize the emotional benefits of bicycling and but a lot of times we think we need to get out for you know a two or three hour ride or something like that or as opposed to you get some of those same emotional and psychological benefits just from a 10 minute cruise to the grocery store or whatever oh yeah that's, i mean when i talk about riding that's what i do like yeah the vast majority of my riding is uh driving the kids off at school that's under 10 minutes each way uh, going to the grocery store is maybe five or seven minutes of riding, right. <laughs> depending on which store I go to, Costco, 15 minutes, you know. Um, going to meet a friend downtown, like that's 20 minutes. Stopping by the library, that's five minutes. It's all pretty utility-based. Um, if I'm going to the office, uh, I typically teach all over the place. It's never the same place, but I do go to the office once in a while, but even that's like 12 minutes or something. So all of my riding is quite short. 
keywords little bursts here and there, but it still makes a big difference for me. I don't have to go on like a two or three hour ride to get that bonus kind of happiness boost. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So before we wrap things up here, is there anything else, any other tips or tricks or advice that you would want to give to the ladies listening? If you haven't ridden a lot in a while, your bike maybe has been sitting in the garage backyard, <laughs> um, find a good bike shop and uh, get a tune-up. And just if you can find a mechanic that you like, somebody that you, you actually trust in, um, they can be a great resource for improving your bike and making it work better for you um, as you go along as you ride more and just you know keeping it working well because a bike ride on a bike that isn't shifting properly or you can't access the easiest gear or it's squeaky or crunchy or the brakes aren't that great and it doesn't feel good <laughs> so you'll enjoy your rides better if you're taking your bike and working properly or you can also take a course and learn how to do it yourself too if you want to maintain your own bike not everybody has to do that um, right I know how to do a lot of the maintenance on my bike, but I don't. I'm busy or, you know, I know it's going to be way faster to pay my mechanic, like, you know, 15 bucks a day. Okay, so I've got three final questions for you. But before that, I just want to thank you for coming on. I feel like you've given us a lot of good information and um, just your enthusiasm for writing every day is very motivating. I'm I've already missed my a couple days of the 365, but I too am going to try and get as many days this year as humanly possible. So yeah, I mean it's it's not a competition. It's just meant to. I I, I hate to say I mean to inspire people because that sounds a bit silly, but <laughs> no, it does though. It is inspiring. Well, yeah, to nudge people into you know riding for transportation uh, as much as they can. Absolutely. And however much that is for where somebody is on their personal journey, I think is that's the yeah. good message there, right? Yeah. Okay. So first question here is, what is your favorite place you've ever biked? I would probably say, oh, I mean, Amsterdam comes to mind first. Uh, because we were there in 2005. And back then in Vancouver, there was, we had some bike lanes, but really not, not anything like what we have now. And cycling was still kind of just starting in the city in a way. So going to a city where it's already really well established and there's protected bike lanes everywhere and you are riding, you know, during the day, we just, we were the majority. Like people on the road, on bikes, were the vast majority of people moving in the streets. And just having that feeling of like being surrounded by tons of other riders and just, I don't know, it's a very powerful feeling to feel like this is, what it could be like where you feel perfectly safe everyone's pretty calm and relaxed and the drivers as well are you know pretty good at following the rules and yielding to the cyclists and and you have space to so you could ride side by side and the only thing to worry about was the the uh, tram the rail uh the tram rails (laughs) but yeah it was a great place to ride yeah i've never been but that's definitely on the bucket list of places to go um next question is what bike or bikes do you ride (laughs) <laughs> definitely plural uh, most of the time I ride a turn GSD S10 so that's an electric um, mid-tail cargo bike because it, it carries my kids and uh, it's, it's electric so <laughs> school getting groceries that kind of thing uh, or if I'm just in a hurry to get somewhere it's fast if I'm going to like a meeting at City Hall for the Transportation Advisory Committee, or if I'm going to work, I'll often use my Brompton, 
which is a folding bike. Um, it only has 16-inch wheels and it folds up really tiny, so I can bring it into the meeting room or I can just stick it, you know, at my feet on the on the train when I'm going to work by, you know, bike train, bike, or in the back of the, the cab of the truck if I'm driving a whole fleet of bikes to a school, for example. But I have, I have a few other bikes, too. <laughs> but those are the ones that I use the most, I would say. And then last question is, what do you most love about biking? It's the closest I can feel to flying mm. as, as a human. And it makes me feel strong. And, and I, like, I have osteoarthritis in my hips, so walking is quite often difficult for me. And it's, you know, it's progressive, so it's been getting worse all kind of up and down, but, but worse overall. So it's nice to have something where I feel like I can still be physical and do something that average people who don't have arthritis can do um, and, and feel like I'm, you know, yeah, feel like I'm strong. I can carry my kids on my bike. I can carry furniture on my bike because the bike is carrying a lot of the load and you have gears to make it easier. Like. <laughs> but yeah, it still makes me feel good and it's a great way to get exercise. I hope that interview gave you a little nudge you needed to start making more of your trips by bicycle. I'll also include in the show notes additional resources we have that will help you get started or start doing more bike commuting. Also, please let us know what topics you'd like to hear on this podcast in the future. This is still a brand new podcast and we're learning and trying to incorporate as much of your feedback as possible. So please feel free to share it. And speaking of sharing things, share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy it. Help us get the word out by leaving a review or posting this episode on social media. We appreciate your help and your time. Until the next episode of the Fem Cyclist Podcast, happy riding.